I really love uh, this book of prophecy. I call it Rejoicing Through the Book of Revelation. And the reason why I call it that, because uh, when I was growing up, and you may have heard me say years, I've been coming for a number of years, but you heard me say, uh, I'll give you my testimony. I was always taught as a young kid that if you studied the book of Revelation, you could lose your mind. And as a result of that, I would never study the book of Revelation. I would never go into that book. I was a Christian. I loved the Lord, but I would never go into that book because I was afraid. And lo and behold, the Lord has a wonderful sense of humor because he called me to teach this area uh, of Bible prophecy. So I had to get into it. And uh, as I began to journey through, uh, God opened the book to me. And I mean, I saw so many wonderful things. And I realized then that it was a lie of the enemy that tried to stop me from understanding this book. Now, I want to bring in our prophecy chart. And again, uh, just to show you where we are, we're in what's called the church age. We're in the church age. All right. And in this church, this is where we are. And I'll show you where we are in the book of Revelation as well. Uh, the next major event is that event called the rapture, which I long for uh, my heart. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rapture. Uh, it's going to take us right into his presence. But we're right here and we're going to see this is Revelation chapter two and three. We're still in chapter we're still in chapters two and three of this wonderful, wonderful book of prophecy. Now. Uh, let me do a few things here. What are what are scholars saying about the book of Revelation? So I'm going to quote a few scholars here just to see what they say. Uh, Dr. Ed Heinzen from Ed Heinzen from his book, uh, the book of Revelation, unlocking the future. Listen to what he said. He said it is the last book of the Bible and describes the final consummation of all things. In so doing, it serves as the capstone of the entire biblical library of 66 books. The general nature of Revelation has been to describe uh, has been described as apocalyptic and prophetic. And again, we'll see that uh, as we go forward. It's apocalyptic and it is prophetic. Well, look at another one here. Dr. Dave Reagan from his book, Wrath and Glory, the meaning of the book of Revelation. He said this studying the book of Revelation today at the beginning of the 21st century is particularly important because Christians are faced with two uh, great challenges. The decay of a society and growing apostasy in the church. As we face these grim realities, we need the encouragement that is contained in the book of Revelation. I really love that. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the encouragement that's in this book. And again, there is a lot of encouragement in the book of Revelation. I'm going to give you one more scholar here. Uh, the late Dr. Tim LaHaye. He said, no other book in the Bible challenges the Christian to live every day in light of his soon coming. That is why every Christian should read and understand this book. This book should be a part of your Christian reading and learning and understanding, because, again, it's a book that is that is a book uh, that is blessed. Now, why aren't people studying it? Why? Why this book is why is this book in the latter days come under so much fire? A lot of people don't want to study for a number of reasons. One, again, because many are afraid of the book of Revelation. And that's true. A lot of people are just afraid of the symbols and, the, and the, the, the locusts and different things. So because of that, many people will not go into this book. But I want to tell you, you don't have to be afraid of it because, again, this is God's book to you. Some have been taught that they will lose their mind. I was one of those guys who was taught that. As I travel across the country, I ask the question, how many have ever ever been taught that hands go up all over the churches? Yes, I was taught that all my life that I should never study that book. I even heard a preacher say it, and it was just unbelievable. Some avoid apocalyptic literature because it is uh, because of the unnecessary conflict they think it brings to churches. Some pastors never deal with revelation because they think that it's going to bring uh, uh, such conflict in the church. 
And that's not true. This is the end of the story. And uh, this is a book that God wants us to have. Now, some also believe that they won't be able to understand this book. And again, that is not true either. We will be able to understand this wonderful book of prophecy. Now, one thing I do like about uh, the book of Revelation, God gives a blessing on this book out of all the books in the scripture. This is one book that Father God gives a, uh, uh, a blessing on. Uh, Revelation chapter one, verse three, John wrote, blessed is he that readeth." So I'm reading tonight to you. And they that hear, you are hearing tonight the words of this prophecy and keep the things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Uh, God pronounces a blessing on those that hear, read and keep the sayings of this book. We are blessed as we just spend time uh, going through this wonderful book of prophecy. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to look at some topics. You're going to see how to study the book of Revelation. I'm going to show you the three divisions of the three divisions of the book of Revelation. And then I'm going to give you a synoptic glance of the book of Revelation. And we'll do it all in the time that we have here. Oh, I'll do my best. Let me say it that way. All right. All right. So how to study the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm going to give you a few things to look at here. But one thing I want to deal with that a lot of people don't realize, I'm going to give you a revelation factoid, I call it. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ and not the revelation of John the divine. You know, a lot of your Bibles, the publishers of your particular study Bible, uh, they make the mistake to put in the header that this is the revelation of St. John the divine. This is not the revelation of St. John. Uh, when you read verse one of Revelation one, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. This whole book of Revelation, it reveals Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of our Savior. We see our Savior uh, in all through the book from from chapters one all the way through. He is written uh, in the book of Revelation. So this is not the uh, the revelation of St. John. John, uh, uh, he penned it. Jesus uh, dictated it to him uh, and Jesus is revealed. Now, the term revelation means to unveil or to uncover that which was previously hid. A lot of people look at this, look at this name and they got all different type of ideas about it, but it simply means to uncover. This is the revelation of Jesus. It is the uncovering of Jesus Christ to us. The, uh, it is translated from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means to lift up as a curtain so as to clearly show that which was covered. Uh, and again, this word apocalypsis or the apocalypse, people love that word apocalypse. That's such a, a scary word in the media. You know, it's the apocalypse. And people are afraid of it. And all it means is to unveil. This is the unveiling. This whole book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ to us. So we shouldn't be afraid of this of this wonderful book. Now, I'm gonna give you a few keys to understanding. One major key of understanding this book is to know that parts of the prophecies are revealed in symbolic form and others are revealed in literal form. So you got literal and symbolic. Uh, you got to you got to keep it that way. The symbolic parts need to be interpreted using the scripture. The literal part needs to be interpreted. I'm sorry. The literal part need no interpreting. In other words, you need to take the literal part of Revelation as it is written and you get clear understanding. But there is the literal and symbolic part in the book. And again, when you make all of the book of Revelation symbolic, you get into trouble. When you make it all literal, you get also in trouble as well. Uh, there is a literal part and there is a symbolic part of the book of Revelation. Now, here's another major key I really love. The book of Revelation has a table of contents, I like to call it. Uh, it's, it's the three divisions of the book. 
And again, this will also help you to understand where we are in the book of Revelation tonight. Uh, there are different groups out there today that teach that we're in Revelation chapter 6, dealing with the Great Tribulation. Uh, that's not true. We're not there, and I'm going to show you why. But we're going to look at the table of contents. So what I'm going to do here, I'm going to read a verse found in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 19. And here we're going to see the table of contents, and then I'm going to break it down and show it to you. John was commanded right in verse 19. Jesus said, John, write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Here is the table of contents for the book of Revelation. So to show you the table of contents, let's look at it. John was commanded, John, Jesus said, John, write the things which thou hast seen. And that is uh, verses 1 through verse 18 up to verse 19. So everything John had seen up to that point, Jesus said, John, write what you have seen. That's past tense. Then Jesus told John, he said, John, write the things which are. That's present tense. That's the book of Revelation, chapter 2. And chapters three. And the reason why we know it's chapter two and three, because this is where Jesus dealt with the church and Jesus, not Jesus, John was in the church age. John was in the present tense at that time. And guess what? We're still in the book. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in the church age. We have, we, have, we have not gone any further uh, in the book of Revelation, but chapters two and chapters three. Uh, when Jesus sent the seven letters, he sent them to the churches. Those letters are still active today for every believer, every church. Uh, and again, we're in the present tense now, chapters two and three, no further in the book of Revelation. Then the last part, John was commanded, write the things which shall be hereafter. This is the future tense, Revelation chapter four, verses number 22. So from chapters four on is the is the future side of the book of Revelation. And I got to tell you, if you if you get this table of contents, it will help you understand this book. Uh, it'll keep you out of a lot of confusion. Uh, it'll help you. Uh, I got an email today. A guy saw my program and he sent me an email and he was telling me that uh, he figured out that we're in. Uh, he, he told me he figured out that some of these seals have already been released. And I said, nope, no, nope, not based on the book of Revelation. They have not been. Because if the seals have been released, we are in the tribulation and every one of us here has missed the rapture. <laughs> now, let's take a synoptic look at the book of Revelation. What we're going to do here, I'm just going to, for time's sake, there's no way I can cover everything. I'm just going to just going to surface hit. But uh, you might want to take some notes as we journey. Now, some parts of it, I may I may spend a little more time and others I may just lightly hit. But we're going to just gonna try to go through here and see what we're going to see. So first, we'll look at chapter one which is the things that John had seen. Chapter one, I love chapter one because chapter one gives so much revelation. In chapter one, verses one through eight, John receives what is called the revelation of Jesus. This one little part, verses one through eight, tells us so much about Jesus Christ. It tells us about our Lord. He's the faithful witness. He's the first begotten from the dead. Uh, he's the one who washed us in his own blood. He made us kings and priests unto God. He is the one who is worshiped. He cometh with clouds, talking about his second coming. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, reveals Jesus Christ to us. It tells us a lot about him. And that's chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. But then we pick up chapter 1, verses uh, 12 through 14, and then we have what's called the glorified vision of Christ. In other words, John actually sees Jesus in his glorified form. Uh, and the Bible said, John see him walking through the midst of the seven candlesticks. The scripture said, John said he heard his voice. It sound like sound like many waters when Jesus called him, John. Uh, 
And his voice sounded like many waters. Real. And, and scripture says when John turned to look to see who had, who had called him, when he saw Jesus in his glorified form, the Bible said John fell as a dead man. He lost strength looking at the glory of Christ. And the Bible said that Jesus picked him up with his right hand and strengthened John and told John, I am he who was dead, but yet I am alive. So chapter one is loaded. It's action packed. We see the revelation of Christ and then we see the glorified vision of Christ, which is so powerful. Then we move over into chapter two and three. In chapter two and three, we have what's called the things which are. And as I shared earlier, this is where we are tonight. We're in the present tense of the book of Revelation, chapters two and three. Uh, we are no further. And here in chapter two and three, we're in what's called the church age. This is where we are now, the church age. And what's going to deliver this particular age will be that event known as the rapture. Uh, once the rapture is taken up, uh, then the tribulation can take place. Uh, but as long as we are here, uh, God is using us. Jesus sent he sent seven letters to the churches. And uh, these seven churches, they are in Asia Minor. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 29, he dealt with four churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira. In chapters, uh, three, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 22, he dealt with uh, three churches, Smyrna, I'm sorry, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Uh, each one of these churches existed during John's day. Uh, they, they were churches that were part of Turkey or Asia Minor. Uh, uh, each one of these churches, as Jesus walked through the midst of the churches, he saw particular things in the body of Christ of that day, and he took notes. Uh, some of them he rebuked, some of them he didn't, some he encouraged. Uh, 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 the first church he dealt with was the church of Ephesus. Uh, Jesus praised Ephesus for the works that they were doing, but he told him, he said, Ephesus, I have something against you because you, you have left your first love. Ephesus was a church that was doing the will of God, but they got so caught up in doing the will of God that they forgot the giver of the will. And Jesus said, Ephesus, repent and do the first word. Repent and go back to your first love. I really love this one. And uh, each one of these letters, uh, you can see uh, different churches and different uh, uh, things that are happening in the corporate body of Christ. Now, some hold to a view that these are seven church periods. Uh, you can actually see the seven church periods, but I do believe that these seven churches are seven churches that exist today. Uh, Jesus said, he that have an ear to each church, he that have an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. These letters not only were sent to these exclusive churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, but these churches were also sent by the spirit of God to the body of Christ. Not only to the body of Christ, but to every individual believer. I want to share with you, if you go through these letters and you read those letters, uh, I, I teach uh, at Ecola Bible College in, in Cannon Beach, Oregon, and uh, we did a series on Revelation. And one of the assignments I gave the students were to read the letters and allow those letters to find them. And I had them write a one page term paper. And I mean, these papers make you cry because as they go through the letters, they, they, they find themselves. They see what Jesus saw in these churches that's also revealed in each and every one of us. So these seven letters are amazing, and I would encourage you to go in, into them. Now we're going to move on to chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4 through 22. We have the things that shall be here after. And here John is going to begin to see some amazing thing, things. God's going to allow him to go into heaven or you see a vision of heaven. Chapter 4, verse 1. John wrote after this, I looked and lo, behold, a door was open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was as a voice, uh, a voice of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which shall be hereafter. Verses chapters four on is the things that shall be hereafter. John is going to get a glimpse into the future of what is coming. But God will allow him to go into the heavens. John says, and immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one that sat on the throne. Uh, uh, this is an artist's rendition here, but John looked and he saw this throne of God. This throne of God was so amazing. This throne had so much action going on. Father God was seated on the throne and all of the things and events were transpiring around him. The Bible talks about a big emerald colored rainbow that was around, uh, uh, you know, around God. It looked like a sardine stone, a rainbow like an emerald around God. Uh, in heaven, everything centers around God. And again, it's just amazing uh, what John saw. And then John looked and uh, just for times, I'm going to keep going. John saw the 24 elders. Uh, I believe these represent the Old and New Testament leadership. Uh, Old and New Testament represented the, the, the Old Testament uh, tribes and then the 12 apostles. Uh, here, the Bible said that they, are, that they are in heaven, seated upon thrones. Then John said he looked and he saw he saw the seven spirits of God. He saw these seven lamps burning before the throne of God. These seven lamps represent the seven spirits of God. And uh, what this is, is the fullness of the Holy Spirit's operation in, uh, in the body of Christ, uh, in our Lord. Uh, you find this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 2. Uh, that one verse gives you the fullness of the Holy Spirit operation. And here John sees the seven lamps before the throne. Then you see the four living creatures. These living creatures are amazing. These four living creatures before the throne. You know, when I get to heaven, I want to see these fellas. The Bible said they cry holy, holy, holy to God. Day and night, they tell God that he's holy. They never get tired because, they, they, because they're in his presence. One look like a lion, one look like a calf, one look like a man, and one look like an eagle. You know, uh, what happened here, uh, what John is actually seeing is the throne of God. Now, when Moses... Uh, built the tabernacle. He built a tabernacle which was a pattern of what was true in the heavens. In the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 40, God told uh, Moses, he said, and look that thou uh, make them after the pattern which was shown thee in the mount. When I saw a study in the book of Revelation, I was doing pretty good until I got to chapter 4. Chapter 4 just it sent me on a, on a ride. I said, what is all of this? In the midst of my study, the Lord stopped me and had me to do a study on the Old Testament tabernacle. I studied the tabernacle of Moses. That study lasted a year and a half. When I came back to the book of Revelation chapter 4, it exploded on me. Because what I saw was Moses' Old Testament tabernacle, which was a pattern of the reality of what John was seeing here. Well, these living creatures, they are just like the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that? And you had those cherubs. Uh, uh, over, the, over the mercy seat, they protected the glory of God. Uh, these living creatures are like that. They protect the glory of God. They ascribe God's holiness to him. These are the living creatures. Uh, and I mean, the Bible tells us some amazing things about them. Let me give you one little fact about them, and then we're going to move on here. Did you know that these living creatures, they traveled at the speed of light? Well, I know that's a shocker, huh? You want a scripture for that? I'm going to give you a scripture. Look at this. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Look at this. This is amazing. 
you know, you, you, know, you watch the movie, Flash, you know, Flash Garden, and you see him, not Flash Garden, but the Flash. He flies so fast, it's, it's like lightning. Now, God, God was doing that before that. Yeah, let me show you this. Look, look at these living creatures. This is Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like the burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps. Uh, it went up and down among the living creatures and the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightnings and the living creature. Listen at this. The living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. Man, they can, go, they, they can go and return like a flash of lightning. They travel the speed of light. They are made. I want to see these boys. Get to heaven, Lord. I want to see these living creatures fall around the throne. I want to see these boys moving. The Bible tells us some amazing things about them. Then the Bible tells us that these elders, they cast their crowns before God. And I love this because I believe this also represents the, the redeemed. After we receive our crowns at the judgment seat, we will also cast our crowns. I know I'm going to do mine. I'm going to cast my crowns before my Savior. Now, we're going to move on to chapter 5. We're going to start picking up even faster here. Uh, in chapter 5, Revelation, we find Jesus represented as the lion and the lamb. And again, this is symbolic here, but it's talking about Jesus. And we know that Jesus, the Savior, he's the lion of Judah. Uh, the Bible says here that the lion roars. The scripture says that the, the lion is the king of beasts. Jesus is the king of kings. Uh, Judah is where Jesus is from, and that was their insignia, the lion. And here Jesus, he's represented here as the lion, the conqueror. We see, we're going to see two sides of the Savior. Then John says he saw a lamb as if he had been slain. This also represents Jesus. Jesus, the lion, which is a conqueror, and Jesus, the lamb, which is the lamb who gave his precious life to redeem mankind. This is so powerful, but it identifies Christ, and it talks about him. And it gives us some wonderful things about him. I don't have time to go in depth to look at it, but this is a beautiful study as you take time to go through this. Then we're going to move on to chapter 6 through chapter 19. Here we find the great tribulation period. And what's going to happen here in chapter 6, you look at the chart here. Chapter 6 begins right here, and this is the beginning of the great tribulation period. Uh, as I shared again, we're not in chapter 6 yet. We're still in 2 and 3. We're in the church age, but we're moving. We're moving forward. In chapter 6, uh, here we find uh, the four horse riders of the apocalypse. And again, this is an amazing prophecy because the Bible tells us that Jesus, our Savior, is the one who releases the seals. Uh, this is an amazing revelation. People don't realize that Jesus will be the one who will allow the great tribulation to begin. Uh, in this time, there will be 21 judgments of the tribulation. Seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven vile or bold judgments that will enter this season of great tribulation. So in chapter 6, verses 1 through 17, and chapter 8, verse 1, we find the first set of judgments, which is the seven seal judgments. Now, I'm not going to cover all of them, but I'm going to hit some of them for you. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, look at this. This is amazing revelation here. It says, and I saw when the lamb, this is Jesus. John said, I saw when the lamb Open one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, a noise of thunder and one of the four beasts saying, come and see. Jesus will release the first seal that's going to release the first horse rider, which is none other than the Antichrist. This, is a, this first horse rider, is, he's riding on a white horse with, with, a, with a bow, but no arrows. I believe this represents uh, the Antichrist coming in deception because that's how he truly will come. 
Daniel said when Antichrist comes on the scene, it says, by peace he shall destroy many. He has a weapon of war, but he does not have the, uh, the munitions, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the arrows to fight, showing deception. But I believe this first horse rider represents Antichrist. The second one is a red-colored horse. The Bible said this horse would take peace from the earth. This is chapter 6, verse 4. The Bible says here that there will be such war and bloodshed because he's going to remove peace from the earth. Then we have the third seal being released. The Bible talks about a, a black-colored horse with his rider being a, a pale, I mean, a, a uh, a pale colored horse with uh, with a rider having a pair of balances. This represents fast. I mean, famine during the time uh, of the of the great tribulation. You think there's famine now? There's nothing like the famine that's coming during the time of tribulation. Then the last one here uh, under the fourth seal, we have this pale colored horse. Uh, he comes on the scene, and his rider, his rider is called death. And the Bible says hell or Hades is following him. And the scripture says because of the bloodshed, because of the famine and death, uh, that a lot of people are going to die as a result of this. Listen, the tribulation will be a time this world has never seen nor never ever see again. Jesus said in Matthew 24, this world uh, has never seen what is coming. It's going to be a time of great wrath and judgment. Then the Bible shows in, in the uh, under the fifth seal, John actually see Christians. These are people that are born again in the first half of the tribulation who will even die in the first half of, first half of the tribulation, they're going to die for their testimony. John now sees them in heaven, the souls of them, in heaven talking with God. This is chapter uh, 6, verse number 9. Uh, they will die for their testimony, the Bible says. Then the sixth seal is released, and John shows, uh, he sees the upheavals of nature. God's going to do supernatural things in the heavenlies. The Bible said the sky will roll up like a scroll. God's going to show mankind, I am in control. It's going to be amazing what he's going to do. Then we have the last seal that's released. This is uh, chapter 8 of Revelation, verse number 1. And when this seal is release, released, the Bible said that there will be 30 minutes of silence. You know what that means? That means 30 minutes of silence. That's all it means. God's going to bring it down to a quiet. Then the action's going to pick up again. And then we're going to see as we go forward. Uh, then we move over to chapter 7. Now in chapter 7, chapter 7 Revelation is so amazing because here we find the, the ceiling of the 144,000. This would be 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, the Bible actually lists who they are. Each tribe, 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes. And the Bible said the angel of God will seal them in their forehead that none of the judgments of the tribulation will fall on them. Now, we're moving, we're moving on, we're moving on. We're going to go a little bit further, a little bit faster. Uh, uh, now, uh, in chapter 8, we're going to see uh, the seven angels as they prepare to uh, blow their trumpets. And again, you find this chapter 7, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verses 7 through 13, chapter 9, verses 1 through 20, and chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. There are seven angels that will actually blow their trumpets. Each angel blow a trumpet, a different judgment will come into the tribulation. I don't have time to cover these, but I'll tell you about one. Uh, chapter 9, when that angel blows his, I think it's the fifth trumpet, the angel blows his trumpet, and the Bible says that God is going to open up the bottomless pit, and these locust-like creatures will come from the bottomless pit. And the Bible said that these locusts, they will come on assignment. They will have the ability to sting men with the sting of a scorpion, as a scorpion strike at the man. And the Bible says for five months, when this fifth, seal is, fifth trumpet is blown, the scripture says that God would not allow men to die. 
these scorpions uh, from the bottomless pit, they're going to they're going to sting men with the sting of a scorpion. Now, some have said that these are U.S. helicopters. I said, no, this is not U.S. helicopters. The reason why we know that is because where they're coming from, they're coming from one of the compartments of hell. They're coming out of the bottomless pit. It's going to be swarms of these, of these locusts that will come on assignment to vex mankind in the tribulation. It's going to be unbelievable. Jesus said, a time this world has never seen nor never ever will see again. We're moving on, chapter 10, chapter 11. In chapter 10, we find this mighty angel. Uh, uh, some, well, uh, there are different things about this angel, but um, some believe that it's a pre-incarnate or post-incarnate incarnate of Christ. It's a type of Christ because he takes authority over the land and the earth. Uh, this is an amazing event. The Bible says here uh, in chapter 10 that time uh, will, uh, uh, how, does, how does it go? Uh, time is coming to an end. In other words, at, at this point in chapter 10, God has taken authority and he's really beginning to shut things down. He's beginning to take more control uh, in planet Earth. Uh, this is dealing with that mighty angel. In chapter 11, we find the two witnesses. Uh, these two prophets of God, the Bible talks about these men. They're going to be mighty men. God's going to use them to vex Antichrist and his kingdom. God's going to use them to judge the Antichrist. There's a lot of debate as to who these two men are. Uh, they could be Elijah, could be Enoch. Both of those men didn't die. I don't believe it's going to be Moses because Moses is disqualified. Moses did die. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that God buried Moses. So I believe he's disqualified. The two I think could be, could be Enoch. And, uh, and, uh, and Elijah. They were both caught, taken up. Uh, but these two prophets, God going to use them to vex Antichrist and his kingdom in the Great Tribulation. Now we move a little bit further. The Bible said that these two prophets in the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 11 through 14, these are the two anointed ones. God's going to use them. They're going to do supernatural judgment in the Tribulation. The Bible said, however a person hurt them, they would have the same ability to hurt men. Scripture says that they will shut up the heavens, these, these two prophets. But the Bible says that they will be allowed to be killed. And for three and a half days, these two prophets, the Bible says, they will, they will, they will, uh, uh, they will lie in the streets of Jerusalem, and the people will not even bury them because they're going to be so glad that the two prophets are dead. The Bible says that they will begin to pass gifts like at Christmas because the two prophets that vexed them are now dead. But on the three and a half day, the Bible said the spirit of life from God will rise in them and God's going to say, come up hither and they will be raptured. Those two prophets in the midst of the great tribulation. It's amazing what's going to happen. Now we're moving on and we're going to uh, go back to the chart. Now we're moving a little bit further. We're going now to the mid part of the tribulation. We're going to see here. Uh, uh, well, that's not supposed to be there. Let me go a little further. OK, now we're in chapter 12, Revelation. In chapter 12, we have what's called the sun clothed woman. Uh, this sun clothed woman represents none other than the nation of Israel. Some have tried to say that this is Mother Mary. This is not Mother Mary because this is at the midpoint of the tribulation. Uh, you look at Joseph's dream found in the book of Genesis. It helps you to interpret the symbolism of this sun clothed woman. But this is Israel in travail. This is at the midpoint when the Antichrist receives his full demon power from Satan. Uh, he will go after the nation of Israel, but God is going to protect them those that can flee during that time. This is at the mid part of the tribulation here. Not only that, but the Bible also talks about the, uh, the, the war in the heavens. Satan will be judged at this time. He will be cast from his lower perch in the lower heavens. 
And then from that lower heaven uh, uh, perch, he'll be cast to the earth. From that point, from, from the earth, he'll be cast to the bottomless pit. From that point, he'll be cast to the lake of fire. From Revelation 12, the devil is on a downhill trajectory. Uh, he's, he's not in hell right now. I don't believe that. He's not controlling hell. The devil's afraid of it. In chapter 12, he, he's going to lose power. Now, in chapter 13, we find the beast out of the sea. This beast out of the sea represents the kingdom of Antichrist. Uh, it, it also goes on and talks about the literal man, the Antichrist. Uh, this Antichrist will have a season. God's going to allow him seven years to wreak havoc in planet Earth. Not only that, but he will institute uh, the mark of the beast. And that mark of the beast system will actually be a part uh, of the great tribulation. Uh, the Antichrist will have a, a season to do his bidding. But again, God's going to judge him. We're going on to chapter 14. Chapter 14 of the book of Revelation, we also find again the Bible mentioning the 144,000. But it tells us some amazing things about them. In chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, we find out that uh, these are men who have the seal of Father God written in their forehead. Chapter 7 says that they are sealed with God's seal. Chapter, four, I mean, yeah, chapter 7 tells us they're sealed. Chapter 14 tells us what the seal is. It's Father God's name written in their forehead. And none of the judges of the tribulation will touch them. Not only that, it tells us in verse 4 that they will be all men. Sorry, ladies. There will be no ladies a part of the 144,000. Why? I don't know. God's sovereign. He do whatever he want to do. I go with his plan. But uh, there won't be women. And uh, you may have heard my story. I met a Jehovah's Witness lady who told me she was of the elect. She said she was part of the 144,000 until I showed her in Scripture she couldn't be. And uh, she, she didn't like that, but that's how it goes. Now, chapter 15. In chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, we find the, the last set of judgments to end of the tribulation. And here we have uh, the seven angels. They are preparing to pour out their vile judgments. The scripture says here that, that seven bowls are given to them full of the wrath of God. This is the last set of judgments to enter the great tribulation. Uh, this is going to be very, very bad. The latter half of the tribulation, it intensifies. It gets worse. And here these angels, each one of them will pour their judgment into the great tribulation. We find this Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 21. And uh, here you're going to see here uh, these seven judgments. The first one, uh, this first angel pours his vow. It covers everybody who received the mark of the beast. Every one of them will have these boils and smelly, stinky sores that will cover their bodies. The second one, the rivers and fountains. The third one, uh, I'm sorry, the first one is the, is the sea will become blood. The third one, the rivers and fountains will become blood. The Bible said that these men, they killed God's prophets, so God's going to give them blood to drink in the tribulation. Then the Bible talks about the fourth angel, pour his vial, and power will be given to the sun to scorch men alive. Then the scripture says, uh, when the fifth angel uh, uh, pours his vial, that darkness will cover the Antichrist kingdom, just like uh, darkness covered uh, uh, Pharaoh's kingdom back in the Old Testament. Darkness will cover the Antichrist's kingdom. Then under the sixth uh, vile judgment, the Bible says the river Euphrates will be dried up so the kings of the east can make their way uh, to come into the battle for the battle of Armageddon. Not only that, but you see three frogs there. The Bible said three unclean frogs will be released out of the mouth of Satan, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. And these unclean spirits at this time will go to gather men from all over the world for the battle of Armageddon. 
That's under the sixth vial judgment. Then the seventh vial judgment is amazing here. The Bible said that God is going to pour uh, these hailstones on mankind. These hailstones, the Bible says, are the size of a talent. That's anywhere from 100 to 120-pound hailstones. Man, you can't run from hailstones that big. The Bible said men will blaspheme God because the judgment of the hell will be so great. Let me tell you something. Mankind cannot imagine what is coming. I warn people, listen, when I, whenever I teach on the tribulation, man, I, I, give the, I give the whole hard facts. I don't pull back. I, I make it as, as, as gruesome as it is because God wants you to realize what's coming to those who have rejected him. Now we're moving on. Chapter eight, 17 and 18, we have uh, Mystery Babylon. Again, we have this, uh, I believe it also represents this, this religious harlot, this religious system. Uh, I'm going to show you this picture. This picture here is amazing. Uh, I believe that this is a part of, of the beginnings of it. But, but the UN has formed a group called the Millennial Religious Peace Summit. And uh, it's more of an ecumenical move, but they are, they are bringing all world religions together. And what they do, they have their, their, their union every year. They come together. Well, I believe that this is just a part of what's going to be a part of that harlot beast during the time of the Great Tribulation. But the Bible even says that the Antichrist will actually destroy uh, that religious harlot. Uh, he's going to allow this harlot to ride his back for a season, but he's going to destroy this religious system. Uh, and again, there's a lot about it. Chapter 18, I, I believe, deals with the literal Babylon. Now, there's some debate among scholars as to whether this is literal Babylon in uh, Iraq today. I believe that it is literal Babylon. The Bible says it's going to come back into the mind of God and God's going to visit Babel, Babylon from the time of the beginning of Babel all the way down to this judgment. God's going to remember them and he's going to judge the city. Uh, as a matter of fact, the prophecy said that when God judged this city, it said Babylon will become the habitation of devils and the hole of every foul spirit and a cage and unclean, a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. This is a future visitation of God on Babylon. It's going to he's going to judge Babylon like he did uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and it won't exist ever again after this last judgment. You see that coin there. I really believe that this uh, uh, represents uh, the Babylon that will be judged. You know, Nebuchadnezzar actually believed before he died that he was Nebuchadnezzar incarnate. He spent over $5 billion of Iraqi money to rebuild the literal city of Babylon. And I believe that same city that God is going to visit in the future. I really believe that. It's a literal prophecy. The Bible says when God judged Babylon at this time that it will no longer, it said the, it said the Arabs or the Arabians will never pitch their tents there. Now, some have said that this Babylon is, is United States. I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that, that, that this is a future judgment uh, that is coming. Now, uh, let me go a little further because of time. Chapter 19, we're almost done. I got, I got a few more minutes. I'm watching, my, I'm watching the clock. Chapter 19, Revelation, action-packed chapter. You have the marriage supper, you have the second coming, and you have the battle of Armageddon. Powerful chapter. You heard me say before that uh, in chapter 19, verse 7 through 10, when I found out that there would be heaven, I mean, uh, food in heaven, I was happy. <laughs> Start singing, man. It's going to be some food in heaven. I love red beans and rice. I know they're going to have red beans and rice at the table. I'm a, I'm a southern boy. I'm, I'm, I'm from Louisiana. Man, I love my red beans and rice. I know I'm going to have it at the table. But anyway, as long as I'm at the table, the Bible says, blessed are those that are called to the marriage supper. Then the Bible also talks about uh, once our food digests, we're going to mount up on white horses, and we're going to come back with Christ in the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming back, chapter 19, as a man of war. He's coming back to judge Antichrist and the world for their rejection of him.
He's coming back to uh, fulfill prophecy. He's coming back to set up his government. As a result of the second coming, chapter 19, Revelation, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back as a man of war that will cause the battle of Armageddon. It's going to be a time, again, the world has never seen. Revelation chapter 19, verses 17 through 21, the battle of Armageddon. As a result of uh, the second coming and the battle of Armageddon, we move on into chapter 20 of Revelation. Uh, the chapter opens up with God binding Satan. Well, take that back. Let me finish. Chapter 19 ends with him judging the Antichrist and false prophet. These two men will be cast alive into the lake of fire. God's going to judge the Antichrist and the false prophet, and they will be cast alive. This is the first time humanity, natural, spirit, soul, and flesh is cast into the lake of fire. Antichrist and false prophet will be cast alive. They want him to go for the white throne. God's going to judge them, and they'll be judged. Now, chapter 20, Revelation, uh, as a result of the second coming of Christ, Christ will uh, bind Satan for 1,000 years. So Satan have no influence in the, in the great tribulation. As a result of that, the thousand-year millennial kingdom of our Lord. Jesus is going to reign uh, sovereign on the throne. King of kings, Lord of lords, he's going to rule the world. Not only he, but we, the righteous, will literally reign with him. Uh, he's fulfilling Isaiah 9 and Isaiah uh, uh, 9, 6 and 9, 7. The governments will be on his shoulders. He's going to set up a government. And it won't have any influence from Satan during that time. You're going to have the glorified saints who will reign with Christ, and you have natural believers who were born again in the tribulation who didn't die under Antichrist. They will be allowed into the millennium as sheep nations. And uh, the glorified will be the ruling class with Christ to help Christ govern. Now, at the end of it, the Bible says after the, the thousand years are over, Satan will be released to deceive. There will be this last revolt of Satan, and then God's going to judge the devil. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10. I love this. One of my favorite. Uh, I, I tell people, highlight that verse in your Bible. Revelation 20:10. It's a good verse to get the devil off your back. When the devil start messing, just start start quoting that prophecy on him, and and see the devil. He's gonna run. He's gonna he's gonna run fast when you start giving prophecy. Now we're almost done. We're gonna look at chapter 20 again. The latter part of it deals with the great white throne judgment. Chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. This is where God is gonna judge the unredeemed. The unredeemed will stand before God and give an account of their rejection before God. They will be there in their spirit, soul, and body, and God's going to judge them. One man at a time will be brought before the throne of God to give an account of their rejection of him. John calls them the dead. The dead. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the dead will be judged. Everyone at the white throne will be cast into the lake of fire. Then the Bible talks about they will be cast into this eternal judgment of God. The Bible calls it the second death, the lake of fire. It's not death or cease to exist. This is eternal death, eternal separation from God, and it's going to be a bad, bad place for the unredeemed. Now, we're going to move over to chapter 21, 22. We're going to close this, baby. We're going to land this plane. Chapter 21, 22, I love it because it deals with the new heavens and the new earth. And I love this so much because it talks about the new Jerusalem. This wonderful city on 12 foundations, the Bible says. It's a glorious city, the Bible says. Has uh, 12 foundations with the apostles' names in it. It has the 12 pearly gates with the 12 tribes of Israel on it. The Bible said the gates will never, ever close. 1,500 miles square the city will be. God will reside in the city and the Lamb. And the Bible said we'll be able to go in and out at will. The gates will never close. The Bible said the tree of life will be there. Oh, I love that. 
The Bible says we're going to be able to eat of the tree of life. We'll have a right to the tree of life. This is Revelation chapter 20, 21, 22. The Bible says chapter 22, verse 3, that there'll be no more curse. The curse will be lifted. And for all eternity, mankind will spend eternity upon a new earth with our God and our lamb. We'll be able to see God face to face. We'll be able to fellowship with the, with the patriarchs of old, Abraham, Isaac, Daniel. I'm, looking, I'm longing to spend time with Daniel. I want to talk to Daniel the prophet. I want to talk to all the prophets to learn about their prophecies. Yeah, I want to spend time, but we'll be able to fellowship with them and our loved ones for all eternity. Now, we've covered all 22 chapters, and uh, I have one minute left. Let's, uh, let's bow our hearts, all right? Father, we love you, and again, I, I, I thank you for this word. Lord, we, we just gave a, a quick synoptic run of the book of Revelation. Lord, what a, a wonderful book of prophecy. Lord, you closed the last book of the Bible with, uh, with your plans, your plans for our eternity. Lord, in these latter days, oh God, make us students of the word. Give us a hunger to proclaim a sound message to a lost world that don't know you. Lord, challenge the lost that they might receive you. And Lord, use us, dear God, in these latter days to reach out to them. Now, Lord, we love you. We glorify you. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for revealing the secret things in advance. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what eternity is going to look like. Now, Lord, we love you. We thank you and we glorify you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good, saints? Amen. Hallelujah.